Hello, my name is Cecilia from the Enwada team, and you are listening to the Enwada podcast. We conduct due diligence and monitoring of working conditions using worker engagement technologies. And on the second season of this short podcast, we hope to continue bringing you the most relevant insights concerning responsible sourcing and some of the leading voices in ethical supply chains. Thank you for joining us today. So today we've got a special two-part conversation you'll be joining in where myself and Lee were joined by Madeline and Gwendolyn from Sustainable Links, a consultancy that just launched in Germany. Madeline and Gwen are two storied individuals who have a wealth of experience working in the sustainability sector. And they joined Lee and myself to talk about due diligence broadly, but specifically within the German landscape. What is the impact of such due diligence legislation? What does proper due diligence actually require for a company? And what processes and behaviors are needed to truly embed respect for human rights within the organization? We talk about all of this and more on the first part of this conversation. Uh, Do make sure to join us on the second part where we will zero in closely on best practice examples available on human rights due diligence. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to another episode of the Enwider podcast. On this episode, we'll be talking due diligence in the German landscape particularly, but actually also focusing on other businesses in other, in other regions as well. Um, and wanting to really hone in on generating data and setting up a due diligence approach. So our conversation partners on this episode will be Gwendolyn and Madeline from Sustainable Links, um, a consultancy focused on supporting brands with human rights and environmental justice operating within the German landscape. So my other guest on the podcast is Lee Esterhazen, who is no stranger to our listeners. Uh, but first, I'd like to do a formal introduction of our podcast guests this afternoon. Uh, we once again bring you heavyweights in knowledge and experience in this field. Uh, Madeline Koelik, uh, you have been working at the intersection of human rights and corporate responsibility since 2008. So you've really seen this, the growth of the sector. Um, you've worked in a variety of sectors, including textile, mining, technology, and energy, among many others, and really helped dozens of companies set up their due diligence processes. Welcome to the Enwider podcast. Such an honor to have you. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. No worries at all. And Gwen, you are a consultant, speaker, and moderator, and your expertise in the implementation of human rights due diligence has been really integral in the multi-stakeholder processes, such as German National Action Plan on Business and Human Rights and the Partnership for Sustainable Textiles. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. And Lee is our CEO and the founder of Enwider. Her data science background and research methodology gave birth to the due diligence and the monitoring system that Enwider uses to monitor working conditions globally. Thanks for joining us again on this episode, Lee. It's always a pleasure. Read my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for this discussion. That was quite an introduction. I guess really just highlighting the wealth of experience that we have on the line uh, this afternoon. Um, I first want to dig into the brief history of Sustainable Links. Um, so Gwen and Madeline, um, Sustainable Links launched recently. Um, congratulations, by the way. That's no small feat. Your website says you both have 10 years experience in embedding human rights, due diligence and responsible sourcing in and with companies. Um, Why did you see the need to launch Sustainable Links and what gap or gaps are you seeking to address? 
Um, well, first of all, we we felt that uh, yeah, with with our wealth of experience, um, we 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 wanted to ensure there's a bit more of a female voice and female leadership in this space. Um, so we were both excited by the idea of uh, of setting up a, a, a women-owned uh, and run consultancy business. Um, that was definitely one motivation, and then. Um, yeah, we've, as you said, we've worked in the space uh, both for for more than ten years. And um, while while working, we 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 noticed that um, it's it's often about about how you really embed these topics within an organization within a company. Um, and what we what we saw is needed to do this properly is is basically creating sustainable links between between processes, between people, between topics within a company. And um, we, we want to take this focus uh, into, into our work and, and make sure that um, companies really make the connections between what is, what is needed. It's not just a technical topic. It's not just human rights. It's connected to a sustainability strategy. Um, it's connected to, to your business strategy. And um, yeah, we want to highlight these connections in, in the way we, we work with our clients and, and uh, also with, with partners in our network. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that answer, Madeline. Um, we've often spoken in this podcast about yeah, sustainability, not just being something that you just throw in in terms of the tools, but actually also creating um, a culture or atmosphere in the business that actually allows for those processes of due diligence to take place. Um, so it's very interesting um, to hear that answer. Lee, anything to add? Actually, I, I'm particularly excited about the concept of um, sustainable links, their focus on um, on, on integration and this linking, um, because often we, we're working, you know, a lot of our clients are quite, quite mature in their sustainable, sustainability journeys, admittedly. So we don't necessarily currently work with, with a wide, you know, our, our client base is not representative of the bigger population of companies out there. But what I wanted to say was we, we still, you know, in, in all big corporates, there's a lot of siloing. <laughs> you know, what happens in HR, you know, doesn't necessarily speak to the needs of procurement and sustainability, for example, you know, it can be very different. Um, and, and, you know, historically we've seen such a divide, for example, between the kind of world of compliance and human rights on one side and procurement on the other. <clears throat> and, and both functions, um, you know, both fun functions require an intimate relationship with suppliers wherever possible, but of course with the strategic suppliers. And so it's a, it's a joy to see that, you know, we've got experts like Madeleine and Gwen actually ensuring that um, we, we, we no longer, you know, work in these inefficient silos where one team kind of has to acculturate or teach the other why sustainability is important, but that, that you get more and more, you know, integrated, you know, functions in the business where that kind of, you know, crossing a corridor to explain something is no longer necessary because it's ter a terrible waste of time and resources. Gwen, feel free to jump in. Yeah, I, I think that's a very uh, interesting point looking at this topic of, of procurement um, because it's um, in many cases when we talk to, to businesses, they think that talking, addressing the supply chain is an exercise for the procurement people only. And that is something a challenge that the procurement department needs to solve on its own. And uh, we very often have this experience of 
um, okay, setting up the supply chain and what we actually source and how the quality that goes into our final products is an exercise that many different departments like R&D, like compliance, but also like the quality department, et cetera, have to look at and have to jointly take on that task on um, building a better supply chain, if you want to call it that way. So that's, that's uh, it's exactly what we try to aim at, uh, identifying the tasks um, and not only addressing them to one department, but saying, okay, who, uh, who is needed in the company to manage that, uh, navigate that task and that challenge for the company. Great, I'm loving this already. We're talking about integration between departments. We're talking about procurement also joining in on the task of uh, due diligence processes. So we'll start with the German landscape, actually, and and just yeah, and just go broader from there. Um, what difference will the kind of the new due diligence law make for German companies and their supply chains in the short and the longer term? And I and I would imagine Madeline and, and Gwen, you'll have a lot to say about this. Yes, for sure. I mean, um, the law has obviously quite uh, impacted. Um, not only what we have now, but also a lot of discussions over the last years um, when I was involved with the National Action Plan on Business and Human Rights. Obviously, that was somehow a goal at the end of the horizon that there might be a law um, trying to regulate uh, this topic in a broader sense. So um, there was a small group of companies always involved in these discussions, strongly involved in these discussions. But I would say with the law in particular, we see a new level of seriousness for the topic. Um, so there is now a much broader scope of companies um, that can't avoid engaging somehow seriously with the topic and with the idea of due diligence, human rights due diligence anymore. Um, but not to say it's it's all uh, it's not all perfect. I um, our assumption is that this could obviously go into two directions. So uh, there will be companies um, that will accept this, uh, this challenge as something that they will need to uh, incorporate into their business strategy, much like broader their broader sustainability uh, strategy, and really look at the business model, really look at the parts of their value chain and how. Um, serious human rights risks or environmental human rights concerns can be addressed. But there will also be other companies um, that will focus so purely on achieving a minimum compliance status um, that will look at what, what, what are the easiest ways to uh, check the boxes that are required of us and how can we um, ensure that we are minimum compliant but do not move beyond that. And we really want to work with companies encouraging them to see also the opportunity that lies behind um, in behind implementing human rights due diligence in their company, if they see this as a as a task that helps them to understand um, how decisions are made, what is the base, but what is the baseline for decisions, um, how um, products maybe are designed uh, in a way that is human rights sensitive, for example, and how that could also maybe open a broader market, etc. So these are. Um, some of the opportunities that we also want to encourage companies with. And obviously, having that law, while it sets a new framework, it also uh, results in the fact that there is more legal attention to it, more compliance people looking into it. And obviously, that might hinder the, these dynamics at some point. And, and I'm going to, I'd also love to add to that to say that what strikes me about the kind of impact that a law can make, you know. Gwen's covered most of it, but what I found fascinating um, is that previously 
you know, prior to due diligence, due diligence laws being kind of emerging in our landscape, um, human rights would be something that would describe a scandal or crisis. So essentially human rights would be considered when something goes wrong. <clears throat> so a company would react to human rights. Human rights would be, you know, would be a term bandied about when, when particular working conditions were, were discovered to be extremely poor or, or a case of forced labor was, was revealed or, um, or there was a floating prison in Thailand when it came to prawn, prawn production. So um, what, due, what a due diligence law does is it, it turns uh, you know, a landscape based on reactive responses like that to a landscape based on consistent operational procedures as, 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 as a standard requirement across the board. And it requires, you know, it requires brands to go on a whole journey of, uh, uh, you know, an evolutionary journey in, 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 in embedding those standard operating procedures when it comes to knowing more and indeed, you know, um, controlling for those new knowns. Um, so I think that's really that's really exciting, and what it will mean for for the brands will be that you know they they'll no longer constantly be be scared of of confronting those those nasty surprises in headlines or in documentaries, but we'll know before everyone else is ready because it's part of the due diligence kind of operational procedure in a company. I mean that's the end point, of course. There's a journey from here to there, and that's why the likes of Sustainable Links um, and, and, and Gwen and Madeleine have so much value to add in, in helping helping companies make that journey. Would you like to discuss this with us? Be sure to reach out to us on our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or visit us on www.nwider.com. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, thank you so much, um, both uh, Lee and Gwen, for those for those answers. Um, we're talking about um, moving from a more Lee, if I if I heard you correctly, um, you're saying moving more from just you know focusing on a process to actual um, outcomes. And um, and Gwen, you you kind of mentioned a, a more broader acceptance of the need for companies to actually accept the diligence in the supply chains, um, but also being aware that on that spectrum you'll have brands concerned with responsible sourcing, and others who are yeah just focused on um, compliance maybe and mitigating that risk. Um, but what I heard you say um, is that you you, you guys are, are able to support companies wherever they find themselves on that spectrum. So so practically um, in Germany and beyond. Um, what does proper due diligence actually require from a company? I like to use the the, the words that are included in the UN guiding principles on, on business and human rights about knowing and showing. So actually, uh, proper due diligence requires from a company to, to know how it impacts people and also the environment and uh, to show what it is doing about it. And um, for, the, for the knowing part, what a company needs to do is basically look at the way they do business and all the different aspects of of uh, of their business so how they how they uh, employ people how they source products how they produce themselves in different locations for example um how they sell um and um and assess for all these different um activities basically what are what are risks to people for example from from these activities how can these activities and business relationships impact 
uh, people in a in a negative way, and 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 really form an understanding about this. How how will this change in the future when I move maybe into other products or uh, new markets? Um, and and what are what are the what is the data and and uh, the intelligence I need to continuously monitor uh, these these sorts of uh, risks across my organization and my my uh, business partners, and then. Um, yeah, do something about it. So that is the the showing part. Uh, when you when you when you see you have significant risks uh, to negatively impact people, you need to implement measures to um, to ensure um, you you mitigate these risks. And uh, if something has has gone wrong, then then you also need to uh, be accountable for that, and you need to remediate for the for the negative impacts. And um, yeah, with that comes the responsibility to also show to the to the outside world, what you're doing. So be transparent about uh, about your approach, um, about the the tools you use, and uh, and what you find, and 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 how you how you address it. So this this uh, yeah dualism of of knowing and showing is is really at the heart of of due diligence. And as um, as Lee has already uh, um, mentioned, it it then needs an an yeah an ongoing management process that is truly embedded in the company to make this make this work. It's it's interesting, um, Madeleine, when when you you put it so so kind of elegantly with just that duality, and and what what that also means is that you know companies with 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 more resources and more scale can 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 make very elaborate systems to to know more and and to do more. Um, and those companies, you know, with 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 kind of smaller pots of resources and, and smaller scale, can start doing both very thoroughly, but on a on a kind of simple, more practical level. Um, and I think, you know, I, we often assume that due diligence um, requires big budgets, experts, and complexity. And I think it's quite the contrary, frankly. So thanks for for making that very clear. Definitely want, want to stress that point that I would say, um, particularly for the large companies where you might assume that budget is not so much of an issue, the main challenge is really understanding the different types of processes that you already have, the different kinds of uh, responsibilities, and who is actually the owner of what type of decision-making process that could lead to um, coming from that risk assessment, achieving all this information, but then actually making a decision that will impact the way you operate based on these uh, risks and uh, actual impacts that you have identified. So um, I think being able to set up a large structure or hiring a lot of people to gather information and data on your suppliers is um, for, for large companies also a big challenge um, because that taking that step from having that information, but making decisions based on that uh, is one of the, the largest gaps that, that we see in, in the work with companies. So there's um, actually a lot of benefit to, to smaller companies to implementing due diligence processes because they have clearer roles and functions um, that, they can, that they can easily work with in a decision-making process. Oh, it's beautifully put. There's one, one fear I have with the focus on due diligence, actually, frankly, in these laws. So, so, and wider historically have been quite explicit about our take on a risk only lens <clears throat> when it comes to human rights along the supply chain. So, you know, the, the, traditionally we've always looked at um, human rights, as mentioned earlier, as, a, as, a, as an area of potential problems. Um, but, but Gwen, what you've just mentioned in terms of risk versus impact, 
these are two different lenses. And I think my one fear with the due diligence focus is, you know, we, th this, this underlying logic that we associate with due diligence is that we're looking um, for, we, we're looking for problems so that we can then avoid it. <laughs> you know, we're looking for problems in, in supply, suppliers' businesses so we can then you know, avoid that problem before we start procuring from them. Or we, we, we're looking for problems in, in, in existing, you know, procurement relationships so that we can then manage those. But actually, I think that, you know, fundamentally misses the biggest opportunity staring us in the face is that global supply chains are a giant opportunity for positive human rights impact. And if we if we grab the kind of the, the project and 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 as an opportunity to really start to properly um, you know quantify and measure the positive stuff we're building in terms of anything from jobs job creation to diversity to um, positive impacts on more sustainable materials and production processes and processes and shorter supply chains and and more sustainable logistics and distribution all of that stuff. You know, it, it doesn't, you know, when you talk about due diligence, due diligence, everyone's thinking diagnostically about let's find the disease, let's find the problem, but let's, let's not do that. Let's, let's redefine due diligence as, you know, you know, doing it all properly to better, you know, reflect on, on opportunities for impact and better measure, you know, impact, not just as an m &E exercise on the side where we hire a consultancy to do that once a year for our sustainability report. Let's stop doing that. You know, due diligence needs to improve, need, needs to, to focus on the positive, uh, ideally. And then brands will also grab it with both hands and, and be more excited about it. Shareholders in those companies will be more excited and will be happier to resource that kind of work that's positive. And WIDA conducts due diligence and monitoring of working conditions using worker engagement technologies. We have new products and functionalities for simple and effective worker engagement, including multiple technology channels to survey workers, diverse standard surveys to measure better practices, and offer more detailed insights on particular issues facing workers. Soon, we will also be releasing our worker engagement benchmarks to better identify the biggest challenges regarding working conditions in various sourcing regions and sectors around the world. If you'd like to know how we use simple, smart mobile tech and support to gather anonymous insight from workers, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and we we totally uh, agree with that uh, with that perspective. Um, and, and I also think it, it 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 is of little benefit for the companies themselves if they treat due diligence as just a compliance issue, where they always try to achieve the level of of compliance and meeting the law. Then it is just basically a cost they have to cover, and uh, and and they need to um, they need to uh, yeah factor into their budgets. Um, but as soon as they they start to think more about it as a as a lens to use in everything you do as a business um, you, you start seeing the opportunities and you start uh, start thinking more in terms of of impact including positive impact and then it becomes more innovative more interesting um, uh, you can talk to your your innovation teams about it you can talk to your product teams about it um, and it's it's not just a, a big legal nasty risk <laughs> sitting somewhere that you need to address Wow, so much to um uh, to chime in on there. You know, uh, Madeline, um, as as Lee noted in the beginning, you know, you spoke so elegantly about that duality of knowing and telling. 
Um, you spoke of, you know, data needed, the processes, um, and then there's action, you know, implementing measures and actually being account accountable. Um, and Gwen, you also spoke about looking at suppliers and making decisions in order to actually create impact. And, and you also just mentioned there the importance of impact rather than just looking at risk. And you're right, it's something that we, we, we always go, go, go on about here on this podcast. Um, so I guess practically then what, what could be a good place to start for a company when it comes to getting along with due diligence along their own supply chain amidst all the various processes that you, you, you guys just mentioned now? Um, uh, yeah, a very practical starting point. Yeah, that that um, it actually fits in nicely with uh, with uh, the part where we just where we just ended on because um, something that we haven't talked about yet is uh, actually something that we also see as an integral part of what we can what we want to offer to companies is this capacity building part, and I'm not only talking about the part where you know, you do a training or an online course on this is human rights, these are the ILO core labor standards, etc., which is, you know, a vast offering outside uh, there, but really um, you making capacity building something about understanding your role as someone working in a company uh, in terms of your uh, negative, and I completely agree, also positive impact um, for human rights and making that analysis on how can I um, obviously also avoid uh, negative impacts, but uh, contribute to positive impacts and um, getting that first understanding as a company, where do we sit in that landscape with our value chain, with our with the type of products that we offer, with the type of um, uh, locations that we operate in. That is also something that many, um, in particularly in the German discussions, don't really have on their radar yet that um, this law in Germany and obviously also the general discussion is not only about the supply chain and who they work with, but also how they operate uh, within their own locations, within their own entities that might be scattered around the world. Many large German companies have very different, different types of operations around the world. Um, and understanding that value chain and matching that to what are the layers where we have um, somehow an impact, be it negative or positive, on human rights. And, and mapping that out is always a very, very helpful start, starting point to um, define the level of uh, that we actually, that the company actually wants to achieve. So what, what is, where do we want to get with starting with human rights due diligence? So uh, if you if you understand uh, your impact as a company, um, it's not so much about, okay, we want to uh, comply with the law, but uh, maybe it can, you can move to a vision that says, okay, we uh, have these several points that we want to understand better in terms of our human rights, rights impacts, but also uh, want to create a positive impact there or want to be able to um, demonstrate uh, our efforts uh, on this particular topic. So uh, it's a starting point to, to generate a vision uh, there as a company. I think particularly for, for supply chains, I think practitioners in the space have been trained to think in terms of suppliers. So like this is my first year suppliers, the ones I have a contract with. But what uh, what we encourage them to to start thinking about, and it's surprising how little <laughs> companies do this yet, is to think in terms of supply chains. So what are the different materials, the different uh, categories that I have, and how, uh, yeah, what risk is associated with with these different supply chains, um, and and that then gives you a bit 
better understanding of, of at which level do you need to become active. And it's definitely not recommendable to just take the same approach and maybe the same audit logic for all your first year suppliers and say, hey, yes, I've done human rights due diligence, but you need a more tailored approach that is really uh, tailored to the particular risks uh, according to different uh, supply chains. And that might mean that for some supply chains, you need to um, start at the at the raw material level and, and work your way up and, and create transparency. And, uh, and for others, you might be able to use a certification approach because that's a very established uh, um, sector already, or you have good initiatives in that space. And, and for others, it is enough to screen the first uh, first tier. So really, really go into the specifics and, and work with the people who understand your supply chains. And you have category managers, you have buyers in those different areas that, that do understand the chains. So work with them to kind of analyze the risk. And then I think it's important for, for, for companies to access, uh, accept there's no uh, no perfect process here. There's no uh, um, product you can just take off the shelf and plug into your company and then uh, the problem is solved. But you you need to do the work on, on your own. You need to really understand your own organization and, uh, and um, engage with it. That level of self-knowledge, if you like, when it comes to your company's processes and supply chains and what's required where, can only benef benefit the business as a whole, you know, commercially in terms of sustainability, in terms of relationships with all your key stakeholders in, in, in the value chain. You know, there's no commercial down, downside to this picture. In fact, there's only a commercial upside. upside. So if, if you're imagining that you're going to have a long and uncomfortable con you know, conversation with your CFO when it comes to handling the new requirements according to due diligence legislation that's just been passed, I would I would suggest quite the opposite. I would suggest you know you know conducting this kind of um, reflective process um, you know very practically and looking at um, at the bigger picture and at different supply chains and how they operate and where impact where there are impact opportunities and where there aren't um, will 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 put you know more resources you know and and and, and a more sustainable business on 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 a better track. Um, and, and the other thing I wanted to say, which has almost slipped away, was, um, it, you know, it, it's something that, that, that Madeleine and, and um, Gwen have both been saying, um, you know, there's no need to panic with a, new, with, with a new piece of legislation, you know, you start with what you've got, you know, take time to, for this, for this reflective kind of process. Of, of you know of assessing properly where in the business more attention is needed, um, but but look at what you've got already. It, it's not it's not a question of having to you know go on a buying spree and suddenly buy every every digital tool you know labeled sustainable sustainability or due diligence and and then and then reflect later on what's useful. Um, I don't I don't think that's the case. I, just you know, look at what you've got. And then by the time you understand the gaps and, and, and where you know, impact opportunities are greater and, and where more, more attention is needed, then you're really in a position to, to get the right kind of partner, consulting partner, you know, I would suggest like Sustainable Links to, to guide you into the next step. I mean, perhaps, perhaps you're in a unique position where you know, that, that kind of expertise is in-house, not many companies do have that. But it helps to have a third party with the with the experience of having engaged with multiple companies, and so having gathered best practices and 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 a, and a kind of, you know, 
the, these kinds of third parties and consultancies have a better grip of what optimal looks like um, and, and use that kind of resource wisely to help you to kind of um, put the kind of due diligence infrastructure that you don't have currently have in place in place and, and doing a better job than, than, than most of your neighbors are. One, one very simple thing that, uh, that I uh, have, have observed also in terms of working with these multi-stakeholder platforms, for example, is um, daring to start a conversation on these topics. So many are, you know, you might, you might be stuck in, in, in all the desktop analysis and generating data and et cetera, and you end up asking, well, did you ever have a conversation with that supplier on where they what they want to achieve, where they see themselves, for example, if you, if you start on uh, on, a, on a level like this. But this is also true for the internal processes, you know, um, really uh, talking to, um, for example, HR uh, organizations who don't really, uh, in many cases, see themselves as, uh, for example, a standard setter for a global uh, organization where they could actually set um, you know the framework on what would be good working conditions in our global locations but many times they are operators where they just you know set up the minimum standards and and try to to keep the system running but don't really um, see themselves as a strategic player within the company where they would be able to set a vision or define a vision um, for example what would be good working good working conditions so um, I think this very simple part of daring to have a conversation um, with the different stakeholders on this topic um, is, is very crucial um, to, to get the company going there. And, and obviously that's something that we, that we support a lot. That's it from us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to follow us on our social media platforms to keep up to date with all things and wider and look out for our next installment. Goodbye.